Good afternoon. You're listening to Scariff Bay Community Radio and the programme is Local Media This Week, the show where we have a look at the print media here in County Clare and see what's on it and give our own take on it as well. Uh, my name is Jim Collins and I'm delighted to be joined by our regular panel here and that is John S. Kelly. John, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jim. Pat O'Brien. Pat, you're welcome. Good afternoon, Jim. And David Fleming. David, you're welcome Thanks, also. Thanks, Jim. And uh, can I wish everybody a happy new year, both around the table here and our listeners. Uh, our first uh, recording, our first show in 2022. We did a show last uh, Sunday, all right, uh, a historical show. And there'll be historical items discussed in the show here this evening because we're we're living through a period where a hundred years ago seismic events were taking place and uh, we'll we'll have a, a look at that but i suppose first and foremost uh, there there's we, we had a debate here before we started uh recording and that was on whether we should how much we should mention of covid um, but I suppose we can't ignore it because it's all around us and I suppose people are they're worn out from listening to it and listening to all sorts of depressing news um, in relation to it. But um, we said we might, John, you know, give a positive spin on it. <laughs> the only positive spin I can come up with is a very good health wish to all of you around the table, you know, because it's um, something that... Uh, is on people's minds morning, noon and night, okay? But at the same time, the figures are beginning to show something positive, aren't they, David? That's right. Well, Mm. Porig McMahon on page two of The Echo has it that um, 94% of persons aged over 12 fully vaccinated in the county. That's very good, isn't it? It's a very high percentage um, and compares well with other counties. Um, In Limerick, it's 95% which is even better. And Tipperary, I think, 96%. And so what about up the country? Is it, the, fig- they don't give the, uh, the figures up the country, but the national average is about 92%. So Clare is probably above the national average, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, as is a lot. And notwithstanding the, um, the, the graffiti that was reported on a, a few weeks back and which we saw ourselves perhaps passing in the car, uh, it's a very, very small percentage of people who uh, are are against the vaccination or who haven't got the uh, the vac- who haven't got vaccinated. But it's it's this current variant is certainly having an impact. The front page has has business under pressure as staff hit by COVID cases again by Porig McMahon, and the and the front page of the Clare Champion has 575 hospital staff off as services disrupted. So. I th- I, I, it's it's probably the disruption that is causing people yeah. a little bit difficulty. Yeah. Now, schools went back this week, and many parents, including myself, were very happy to see that. Um, how, how much difficulty does it, uh, you know, provide for people like yourselves, young married couples, when yeah. you're uncertain about well, how the schools are going to be? Well, if if know? if children. If schools are closed or if the child has even a snuffle now, mm. they have to be kept at home. Is that right? Um, or, a co- or a little cough, which isn't COVID because they have to be tested, antigen tests and so on. Um, but nevertheless, a little cough, which and a lot of young children 
have these symptoms, um, which may or may not be COVID, but generally are not COVID, uh, but they have to stay at home. And then parents who will, may have to take time off work probably would have to take time off work if there's no other person able to mind them. So yeah. it has a knock-on effect on all sorts of, on all sorts of businesses and organizations. Pat, uh, yeah. what do you think? You, you, you've had some ex direct experience now, haven't you? I have, yeah, but uh, I suppose the, 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 the new variant is very light. You know, people aren't um, getting very sick, but I suppose the, the big problem is uh, spreading it. And um, young people have a tendency not, not to be sick. I know my own son was back from Canada and he he picked it up after coming back and he was um, he was uh, isolating for uh, five or six days and um, he wasn't sick at all. He was eating as much as ever when it... We were going up and down the stairs, <laughs> up and down the stairs with food and yeah. drink. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you think, uh, do you think Patty was only putting it on and that he wanted his <laughs> mammy's dinners? <laughs> And and service to room no, service. I'd say it rather not be out and out out and out and out and out. But so, some people, but sorry, uh, so, sorry, Jim. Some people. I know my nephew who's about five. Uh, he uh, he got COVID, and he stopped eating, and was weak and was just thrown down. Was the phrase they used to to describe it for how long? For for, for about a week or ten days. Really? Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, and. Um, just be, didn't want to do anything, mm. and, and so that's the type that that's the type yeah, of yeah, yeah. illness that some people, and in this case, a five-year-old. Yeah. Jim, is that a fact that that, that uh, some companies have been uh, gotten into making a racket out of selling the actual um, uh, what do you call antigen them? tests? Antigen yes, tests yeah. uh, that are corrupted. Do you know? Well, they're certainly being sold because I don't think there are any or very few available in East Clare mm. during this week. I'm just, can I just go back to one thing that David mentioned there, and that's vaccinations. Yeah. And that's, you know, there are a number of people, maybe a significant number of people who are, are against vaccination and that's their right. But as we, as we record here this evening and probably as you listen to it, a certain Mr. Djokovic in, oh, in, yes. in Melbourne is, yeah. is um, in the words of his mother, he's being detained and he's being imprisoned. Um, is that true though? Well, he's certainly being in confinement of is some he? sort. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing during the week, and again, it's not covered in any of the Clare papers, obviously, but uh, Mr. Macron from France, and he said he was going to uh, piss off yes. uh, the uh, and take. You <laughs> Do know, we know the French phrase that he used? <laughs> <laughs> but um, that was his, 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 his intent. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's. it's 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 um i suppose it takes it it divides people it polarizes people the whole mm. notion of on the one hand you know i do not want to take a vaccine and on the other hand well if you don't take a vaccine you're going to pay the price for it mm. yeah, um, yeah, yeah but it's yeah. it's it is one of the things of this um covid that that has emerged mm. it is if, if any of you have any thoughts on it i suppose the big the big, the big thing Jim, for um hospitals and and businesses or or staff if we have surgeries perhaps again due to shortage of staff, that's from the from uh, the region hospital in Rick. They have a lot of a lot of their surgeries have been put put off. Yeah. And then you have um, uh, uh, Owen Ryan is another article here on um, Peter Ryan is here as the chairman of the county council. It's a nightmare for Banner business. 
Mm-hmm. Or, you know, he's, and then your business is closed simply due to you to rising COVID-19 cases. Barrick McMahon has a list of uh, pubs and businesses there on the on the echo. Yes. So mm-hmm. that's the big... That's the big um, but Professor Luke O'Neill was on the radio during the week talking about... Uh, the. Was that the people who get the vaccine? Now it won't stop you getting it yeah. if you take the vaccine. It won't stop you spreading it, mm-hmm. but it will mean that instead of being um, contam- or what's the word, infected and spreading it for eight days, you're only doing it for four. Mm. Yeah, you know, which is a uh, and and you're less ill. I mean, that is that's the point of the vaccination. Mm. You're less likely to die with it. And there, I don't want to be. There were forty. K, we what what the media, the national media, since we are a media show, reflecting on on the media's response to it. The national media no longer report daily deaths. In contrast to Northern Ireland, which yes. has continued. Why is that, actually? It's, it's the fatigue element, I think, John, that you expressed earlier. Um, mm. People are sick and tired of hearing it. But the, pro- the, the issue is that people are still dying with it. And in this country, in the last week, 40 people died. Um, in the last week. In, our, in, in Ireland. In the south. south. And we're not hearing about it um, because of the media's approach to this. Big, partly because I think the public doesn't want to hear it. Mm. But it, it's still a serious illness, and if you have got an underlying condition and you're not vaccinated, it's, uh, it, could be, it, could, it could be detrimental to you. Yeah. I'm wondering what kind of a, uh, an underlying, underlying condition, ageing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, does, as it, it has a big impact. <laughs> okay, we'll move on. Just, uh, just, uh, just before we go from the COVID yeah. cases set to record, speculation that the Midwest cases could rise to 18,000 in the coming two-week period. That is a, a story there from Dan Denner. Yes. So it is Which is about what the national figure is today. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Will we talk about alcohol? Because during the week as well, um, uh, minimum pricing came in for the sale of alcohol in, in supermarkets. We have a man well used to alcohol, <laughs> well used to selling alcohol, I should say, uh, across the table from me here, Pat. Um, what do you think of? I know you had you had a pub, and it's it's di- it's different from from the takeaway. Well, that's what I'm I, I'm always with a couple of years now, Jim. But anyway, uh, the decision has been made, and I'd say it is it's supposed to the aim and that uh, people that's maybe uh, have problems with alcohol, and uh, you know, and it's going to also aim at the poor, the poor people probably. Uh, as, as, as maybe the students will be hit as well. Yeah. They 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 tend to to go for the cheap stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Do they? What would be the cheap stuff in your experience? Considered the cheap stuff. Yeah. I don't know. There's, there's, different, um, there's different ones. Uh, they are foreign like beers from... Dutch maybe gold. From Poland, and, yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff, yeah. 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 I mean, you, you, never, you never say that in the pub. You might just take it away or something like that, but <laughs> we wouldn't really have it in the bear. Yeah. Well, you'd see know. it, and well, up to now, you would have seen it, you know, 75 cents was the cheapest yeah. I've seen for a, for a can of beer. Um, and, and you know a euro, euro ten, those kind of figures. But they're now all up to what is it, one seventy? One seventy about that, yeah. 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 It's going yeah. to have an impact, I think. Um, certainly, people who have uh, who are alcoholics um, and who are homeless, and I mm. think it's going to affect people, particularly in urban environments where it, where there is a lot of homelessness, uh, where they probably survived the day by being drunk. And of course, the the sometimes related consequence of of, of disorderly behaviour mm-hmm. that combined with drugs 
is is what you what is visible on Irish streets, particularly in Dublin and Cork and Limerick and places like that. Um, would so you see Would you see students in the middle of the day uh, drinking? Um, Pine inside oh. in you well, no. Oh, you would. Would you? Oh, you would. But that's that's. <laughs> are you se- are you serious, Hold on, that? John? Are you are uh. you saying as a student in NUI Galway you didn't have a pint in the middle of the day? Well, here's the funny, and it's a good one to raise because <laughs> because the cultural change yeah. in student life in university has undergone a revolution. I mean, we had a. I'm th- I'm thinking, for example, of UCG. Uh, football and hurling would have been important uh, sports, okay. Of our college football team in the 1960s, would you believe it? One out of the 15 took a drink. Yeah. Well, that, that, it's a, it's an amazing reversal because it now is, you're probably it? only yeah, likely yeah. to see one out of the fifteen not, not absolutely, drink. absolutely, if even that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so that but but drink drinking during the day and drinking at home in particular. Yeah. Now it's not it's not an endemic problem. It's uh, it's it's a problem of, of the night, but it happens, and you can particularly see in student accommodation student accommodation windows mm-hmm. of cans and bottles uh, uh, decorating uh, the windowsills. Okay, I remember going in one time, and I was collecting John. He was in UL, and he, he was uh, I drove into the estate. Uh, where he's, it was early in the day. It was maybe about eleven or half eleven. He was coming home. <laughs> and there was a, obviously um, there was a house on the on the left hand side as I drove in. Yeah. And uh, there was a big window on the front of it, and the wind, window was taken out. It wasn't there at all. They were going in and out the window. <laughs> and they were all, there was about a big gang around. This is almost 11 and a half, 11 in the day, and they're all drinking cans and sitting around. It was a lovely summer's day. Was, I'd say they might be shoving on to finishing up time. On the, the, yeah. you know, the uh, well, that was a special. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I just want to go on to one other thing. Um, which is sort of related, I suppose. It's a, it's a health issue as well. And it's on page six of the Clare Champion. Clare Woman's Call to Arms to Fight Child Obesity. Pat, you were having a look at that. Yeah, there's a lady there, Katrina Lynch. She's from Six Mile Bridge. And she, um, she uh, does a hidden, hidden is Clare Woman's Call to Arms to Fight Child Obesity. She wants it to, to highlight child obesity. And um, I'll just read a small bit of it here. Uh, Clare Woman has joined the fight against childhood obesity in Ireland and is, your, is urging the public to join the Irish Heart Foundation Stop Targeting Kids Drive. A growing trend in obesity levels in children, especially during COVID, has prom- prom- prompted Katrina Lynch from Six Mile Bridge to join the campaign. The, ICs, the ICU nurse in the University Hospital Galway has special interest in childhood obesity, having just graduated with a Master's of Science in Obesity from NUIG. It is clear that the junk food companies used the opportunity during COVID to keep their unhealthy products centre stage in child's minds, said Miss Lynch. We need to break the junk food cycle and improve children's health. I joined this campaign because I believe a ban on junk food marketing would be a game changer in taking childhood obesity. So I suppose this is um, too serious, you know, maybe enough. Uh, you have a lot of people going, going. I never got a, um, a, a junk food place or a, to buy 
but you you have an awful lot of people that do buy the uh, work of, uh, that food, don't you? W- would you have a a bun now or a little cupcake or anything like I have that? Them, right. Yeah, oh, I, you I, would. I, 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 I had a cake. But you wouldn't that. define that as junk food. Well, of course, it is junk food. Yeah, Sugary foods, but yeah. like at Christmas time, of course, we are bombarded with with with, with the chocolate ads. But I just wonder, do children uh, do children pay any attention to those ads? Do they, like, how do they come across them, is what mm. I'm wondering. Mm. I suppose junk food, first of all, is cheap. Cheap enough. Yeah. Secondly, it well, remember demands now, very little on, Jim. preparation. Jim, children generally don't have... My children don't have money now to go out and buy it, and they don't have the capacity to go to the shop. I think it's down to the parents. Yes, Please. but it's cheap for the parents. Well, it is. And it's, the, and it's convenient. <laughs> it's very convenient, and it shuts them up. Yeah. <coughs> And it's probably down down to I suppose maybe the people that wouldn't have a huge amount of money as well. You know? Yeah, yeah, it is a factor. Un- unemployment, it, yeah. unemployed people, and yeah. maybe things like that. And it, it tastes it tastes nice as well. It does, but instead yeah. of targeting the companies, I think it's about parents. That parents actually have to consider how they. Uh, yeah. their behaviour is impacting on that's child obesity. That's part of it as well. Yeah. 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 Mm. Anyway, we said we'd we'd mention it because it's obviously it's it's something that you'd like to see under some kind of control. Yeah, yeah. Um, two minutes on Nolignaman. Nolignaman was during the week, but as we record this, it is Nolignaman. Jim, um, there Janice. are five of us sitting around a table. We've been sitting around the table doing a media program for how, how long now? Oh, okay. Yes. And uh, I think once or twice we've had the female voice. Nolignaman. Have you heard of Nolignaman before you came into... Uh, did you know the expression? Oh, of course. You did, yeah. yeah. Now, in the North we Cork area that you come from, <laughs> were, were, you, were you followers of the tradition oh, dear associated me. with Nolignaman? Certainly not. It wouldn't be tolerated. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, no. How about you, Pat? Well, I, I didn't know an awful lot about my, but my wife says down around Cork that uh, all the men uh, are supposed to do the work on, on, yeah, on, yeah, on yeah. the 6th of January. And, yeah, and, and the women go out and have a, have a ball. Have a, have a ball. She did, I remember my mother, do you know, okay, uh, as, when I was very, very young, uh, that's where I first became aware of Little Christmas, Women's Christmas, Nolignamon. Um, I have a feeling that it's more associated with rural Ireland than the urbanised uh, culture area. And Dad always, always did the washing up and the cooking on the 6th of January. Always did it. And yeah. mum dressed up in the afternoon and visited her female friends. They yeah. had tea. Of course, yeah. that now no. happens every day, John. Every day is Naman. And as a result, Nolignaman isn't, shouldn't, be, shouldn't be marked too much because there, it was a sign of inequality in Oh, the absolutely. Past. But wait a minute now. The fact that your father, only one day out of 365, did any bit of domestic <laughs> duties. Orlo made any kind of an effort. now, lads. Orlo Connor writing a, an opinion on the Irish Times during the week. Would would be very upset over any of us making comments about, you know, the fact that women have not got uh, equality. Oh, well, I would admit that. And in the Constitution, 
Yeah. Even there's reference to yeah. the role of women, and it has not been changed. Am I right in that? You're right. You're Am right. I? And and I think one of the citizen assembly have proposed it to be removed, <laughs> but we haven't got around to it at all. Yeah. I I will have to say, growing up in Scariff in East Clare, I yeah. absolutely never heard of yeah. the man. There yeah. you are. And now until I left Clare and worked for a couple of years in Dublin, I I heard of none ah. of the man. Yeah. But there was no trace of it in East Clare. <laughs> That's a revelation. <laughs> I yeah. really is no. <laughs> you're from East Clare, Pat, and and not too far away down the road from from Jim. Were you different? Was it was was Scarf a subculture? <laughs> oh, what? Okay. I mean, this is unreal, yeah. isn't yeah. it? You, you, yeah, you hear about women's Christmas song, but you, that's all, that's about your, your, my, But did I you think. notice your father doing anything for your mother? No, well, I know that, that we always had a had a, had a goose on on <laughs> on little Christmas. Oh, did you? Well, that was and significant. Oh, yeah. My, yeah. Same here. Yeah. Goose, a goose. And my mother always cooked it. <laughs> she okay. did. We'll go on. I <laughs> want oh. to. I'm looking and at. Before we go there, we <laughs> What? Did, did, when your mother went to, went to visit her friends, did she have anything, did she have anything stronger than the tea? Oh, no, I wouldn't be. A, 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 I was only a, a young child at the time. I'm sure they had something. No, it would have been, it would have been afternoon tea. Yeah, yeah, ah, no, yeah. no. The delicate china would be produced. <laughs> okay, we're, we're, t- we're talking about local media, but we'll, we'll digress just for a, for a little while because we're looking at a supplement in last Sunday's uh, Sunday Independent. And the supplement is also as the Sunday Independent from almost exactly 100 years ago. It's uh, Sunday the, the 8th of January. Now today when we're broadcasting this, it's the 9th, so it would have been 100 years ago yesterday, Saturday. But uh, we're talking about the second Sunday and the treaty had been ratified. And um, really the portion of the paper, I think there's four pages there, uh, reprinted from 100 years ago. And it's it's totally um, all about the, the portions that are printed, uh, the various, the votes that took place, who voted for what, and um, on the, the various machinations that were going on at the time. Yeah. John, I, you obviously I think got great I, interest I, in this. I, I, I think it's a fascinating, uh, uh, isn't it? It reminds me of the page we had that we worked on in the media last, last week. week. Yeah. yeah, okay. This is clearer. Um, it also is a change in the layout of the newspaper, isn't it, as well? Yeah. But Jim, what I found fascinating about this is because it would have been the actual debate and what the debate revealed about the thinking of the various members, particularly the Vive, do you know? And it struck me that having read it and uh, didn't have that much time to, to, to concentrate on it, but having read it, uh, I felt that Arthur Griffith emerges as a very pragmatic individual, okay, uh, who was interested in economics, seemed to have been well-versed in financial matters, okay, and had a, a, a kind of a, a nationalism that was hugely rooted in Ireland becoming not just a independent, but also industrial, you know, mm. looking after the, the economy, driving it. He was a protectionist, no mm. pain, uh, very much. Um, none of the others in their debate about the treaty itself, he saw, by the way, the possibilities that existed. That was uh, quite clear. But um, none of the other speakers dealt with 
economic factors or issues outside of the ideologies, do you know? Um, were hung in there on what you mean by a republic, uh, to define the republic. And uh, I, I, I don't believe that we ever really considered uh, yeah. de deeply what a republicanism is or was. Hmm. Hmm. But, but, I think, uh, but mo mo I, th I think most of the people who actually fought in the War of Independence wa weren't fighting for economic freedom. Yeah. They were fighting for that republic which they had... Uh, they had whatever idea they had in their minds and had been sold it by their leaders. They hadn't got, or they were told they weren't getting. But uh, you used an interesting word there, John, which was pragmatism. And this really, the debate ultimately came down to we either take a pragmatic approach to what we've got or an ideological approach. And 64 members of the Dáil took the pragmatic approach mm. and 57 did not. Mm. Um, and it's interesting, we were speaking about women. Um, most of the female TDs, Porrick, Pierce's, I don't know, J um, Pat has, has, has the lists of names there. Yeah. Pierce's mother and um, various other uh, uh, members who, who were... Uh, uh, Mrs. O'Callaghan, I think, was from Limerick. Yeah. Um, uh, Miss Maxweeney of of the wife or the wife of was it the wife of Terence Maxweeney? I think so. And yeah. she introduced a, a tone of yeah Bitter deep bitterness bitterness it, it, uh, in the debate. Yeah. You know, and it's it's it's, it's maybe remarkable that women themselves did not take this pragmatic approach, but were hell-bent on the ideological point. Now, I can see it from both sides. Like, if you had fought and your brother had died on yeah. hunger strike or, or uh, for the cause, why would you give up the fight um, on, on a simple vote? And why, can't, why couldn't you proceed to the Republic, especially since you had fought the Empire to a truce? Um, so, so the, I can see it from both sides, and w w in a wartime situation, it's it's very difficult. Hmm. But it's I suppose, I suppose, and quite what you say is quite quite reasonable. But uh, one would have to consider uh, what, how far did the concept of a democratic vote, how far was that valid and valuable in the debate? I mean, the, you, for, you know what I'm getting at there. Well, okay. for ultimately, for the for the side who won, mm. very valuable because yeah. if the, if they had voted against it, that side would have said, "Oh, this was a yeah. very important vote." The 57 members of the treaty who of the Dáil who voted against the treaty ultimately did not. Most of them did not recognise that it was a democratic vote and that they took up arms in a civil war. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the, this uh, front page part of the Sunday Independent uh, talks about plea for unity and De Valera, Mr. De Valera, when he spoke immediately following the official declaration of the vote, 64 in favour, 57 against, and the motion carried by a majority of seven, he had his feelings admirably under control. Mr. Collins then appealed for unity insofar as, and this is a quote, that all should do their best to preserve the public safety. Mm -hmm. And Mr. De Valera agreed with here, here, so they were worried that this that this would be taken out of out of their hands, mm. and they were worried that civil war might have happened. And of course, that's exactly what did happen. De Valera, of course, and others were bypassed. Um, it was the the hardliners, mm -hmm. uh, 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 Lynch, um, and others 
brewer mm-hmm. who decided to do effectively a 1916 on it and occupy right. the four courts and, yeah. and away we go. Mm-hmm. It's Isn't it interesting, and just with say, listening to your chat about it there, uh, and the parallels there are today that you mentioned Arthur Griffith being the pragmatist, uh, whereas a lot of some of the others were uh, ideologues and they wanted their their ideal um and in northern ireland today with the uh, it's the same problem to say the root is the same uh we're talking about the the protocol which mm, uh, mm. on the one hand the pragmatists say you know we're doing very well in northern ireland because of this um but again the ideologues say what it makes we might be doing well but we don't want to yeah. because mm. it makes yeah. us less british it's a very so fair parallel actually. Actually, Jim, and as you say, it's very fair. There's another little, uh, little, uh, uh, as we come to the end of this particular element of the conversation. Um, In 1905, when Griffith founded Sinn Féin, and it was very clear about what the objectives were, wasn't it? And here in 19, we've been talking about the 1921-22 period and what's on offer. And to Griffith, Griffith, he never dreamt that what in fact was on the table in 1922, uh, we'd say, okay, 21, 22, uh, he never dreamt that it would be, that was going to be achieved so quickly. Mm. That's the tragedy, Mm. isn't it? Mm. And it's full of tragedy, Mm. isn't it? Nobody, I'm not talking about blame at all. I'm talking about the tragedy of decision-making. The debate lasted nine days. Dolly yeah. ratified the treaty, momentous decision. A debate lasting nine days, and Dolly ratified the peace treaty between Great Britain and Ireland last night at 8.45. It's been, it, 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 it has been occupied by a number of deputies who spoke on the motion for ratification and then followed by closing speeches by Mr. Carl Brewer and Mr. Arthur Clifford. Mr. Clifford sat down after a powerful address on behalf of the treaty and the House divided on with the following result, 64 to 57, majority 7. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, a very close divide. But the Cabinet, of course, and of course we learned this in our history books to this day. I mm. remember from my secondary school, I almost remember the numbers. The Cabinet, even before that, had voted and were divided on the question. They were. But it was nevertheless carried. They were, they were divided beyond in London. Yeah. That's clear yeah. from the more recent... But, but, but society ultimately was divided on, yeah. on, the, on the people. People did take views on this, mm. and as we know, strident views. And to this day, I suspect there are some people who, who would re- happily read live those debates yes. and, and yeah. adopt similar positions. Some yeah. are pragmatic and yeah. some would have, you know, would, would have wanted to hold out mm-hmm. for the Republic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Listen, it's interesting anyway. It's, I don't know, I'm not sure if it's still available. I doubt it, but... It's page? Been, it was on last yeah. Sunday's... Um, yeah. Sunday, Sunday week. On, yeah, last, last Sunday's um, Sunday Dependent. Yes. Um yeah, but, but it's it's absolutely fascinating. If it you is can, if you can get mm. your hands on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're and, and, and the price of the paper was two pence. I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, as we move into inflationary times again. <laughs> anyway, Pat, have you a piece of music for us? It's almost time for us to take a break. <laughs> um, I think we we played Shirley Bassey here before, but she's eighty-five yesterday, which would be Saturday, the eighth of January. And um, we'll, we'll go for another James Bond one. I think we've done Goldfinger a few times. So we'll have Diamonds Are Forever. Lovely. Diamonds Are Forever. Shirley Bassey. Thank you, Pat. <laughs> I can't wait. 
You're very welcome back. You're listening to local media this week. <laughs> Nearly forget where we are. Uh, and that was Diamonds Forever and Shirley Bassey. And uh, John S. has dedicated that, Diamonds Are Forever, <laughs> to all the ladies in East Clare on the occasion of Nullig <laughs> Could we have a seconder? Yeah. <laughs> Seconded. We, we don't second it. <laughs> Thank you, Pat. Anyway, so I hope you enjoyed Shirley Bassey. Um, Looking at uh, the hills around Tulla, um, and you hear there's gold and them there hills. But uh, an article in uh, in the Clare Champion, and they're talking about uh, prospecting. It's page nine of the Clare Champion, and it's mineral prospecting in uh, in Tulla. So are they are they sitting uh, over there in Tulla on something? Uh, well, really valuable, I wonder, David? Well, you often see the rainbow coming around down over Tulla. And, <laughs> and at the end of the rainbow, there might well be gold around there. And it's Bunratty as well, Jim. Um, and actually, those, those astute readers of the Clare Champion might have noticed the application for licensing uh, a couple, about a month or two months ago. Um, now, we didn't mention it at the time, but I had spotted it, and so we knew that there was something up. But anyway, Fiona McGarry has this story. Uh, prospecting for minerals uh, in parts of Tulla and Bunratty may Maybe given it should be, little spelling error there, the green light, a government department has, has said, the Department of the Environment, Climate and Communications is accepting submissions up to January 8th, uh, so that's a bit late now, I suppose, uh, from a Meath-based company. The department has posted a notice of its intention to grant a prospecting license to Minco Ireland for base metals, barites, and wait for it, ores of silver and gold. Ooh. So, um, I suppose, well, this is quite serious, I suppose, if they're mining and people can be sometimes worried about mines, um, so there's an opportunity to, to submit. It is sort of a planning application, but uh, th they, must have, they must have some basis for for uh, hoping that, there's th that these minerals are but there. What's, inv what's involved at this stage? is prospecting. There's a, a subtle difference between the actual uh, prospecting and mining. Yeah. Mining is, is invasive. Prospecting so, so can be non-invasive. So, John, are you going out with your pan there? You and are. Your, your Geophysics would yeah. be would geophysical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there must be... There would there be the odd tap-in to... There <laughs> must be some basis uh, for their, their yeah. willingness to go ahead and look for... You know, they're not looking for us in Bodike or in Whitegate or in Scarif. They were. Oh, oh, they were, they were, they were, they were. But they would be—they'd have some reason for thinking, presumably, that in the Tulla area, they the geology is, is lends itself, yeah, yeah, to the possibilities. Uh, I mean, um, uh, you know, when you think about it, you have Furness Town, which is a, was an iron. Yeah, uh, iron uh, was iron was big, and of course, yeah. Scariff was yeah. established as as a mining town. You could say, um, but I, I, I had a friend actually, Tony Devey, way back in the in the late sixties and seventies, who worked for uh, for Patina Mines, and he spent, I'd say, about about five years on the Portumna Scariff line, uh, you know, in prospecting, and it involved. Uh, the hammer and the, yeah. the chisel, so to speak, and yeah. and the odd uh, core 
core samples being taken. Yeah. But it, it, it's it's not a, a thing to worry about at all. So yeah. it's the mining factor that uh, yeah. would, will, will cause perhaps we, we, some a, reaction. A, a note here, um, there are some people who have got up a petition against against the, the granting of the licence, but um, there seemingly was a previous licensee who, who for the area who obviously found nothing. Um, uh, so, so, and even if they do find something, find a little bit of nugget of gold, it might only be the nugget. There mightn't mm. be much there, mm. you know. Are but there various companies at various times uh, prospect that? Because I, I remember there a few years ago, uh, over in, over in the middle, they, they were going around and they were, were just going in and drilling because they, they asked me to know could I, could I, I had a bit of ground up in Kilgore and they, they asked could I go in and, and, and drill down. They, they, they yeah, a small drill and take drill a down, core, drill mm. a core down into the ground. Mm. But I never had the thing after about it. And I, I told them what way anyway, and they, they said they'd put everything back. And, and Pat, would you have had a claim now on, on <laughs> yes. that? Yes, <laughs> I, I don't that's found. I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> I think I think it is the state actually. Is, yeah. you, do you do not own. You do not own the minerals. Yeah. On this you, you only own a certain number of feet under that's under right. nature. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say it could be fairly expensive that when you go Okay, Pat, you were talking about defibrillation relators there some uh, while ago during the break actually you were yeah. pointing out that uh, there's a is there a nap, nap yeah uh, defibrillator registration will save lives uh, Councillor Donna McGettigan here had a, a motion in and Fiona McGarry is covering the, the story a call has been made to have as many defibrillators as possible registered with the award winning app that tells people where the nearest one is located Councillor Donna McGettigan tabled the motion at the December Council meeting urging the authority to adjust them with, with Pulse Point AED, a defibrillator location app, and to encourage community organisations to do the same. This is a one-touch button app that will tell you where your nearest defibrillator is. She said, you don't, need an, you don't need to ring an ambulance, you don't need to wait for them to get back to you to tell you where it is. You just do this at the touch of a button. So I think this is a, yeah, you'd imagine this is a, a very, it's a very good, good idea. idea. It, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose most of us, we never think uh, about defibrillators. Have we one here in, in the building, Jim? I think so, but I'm not 100% sure. They're usually, uh, They're usually uh, here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then more importantly, do any of you know how to use it? Or do we, or do we know how to get in touch with Access. anyone mm. who can? Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, there's usually a, a list of, of, of well, I know that over in the mills anyway, in the, in the little boxes, they have a, usual, a list of people and phone numbers where you can contact people to right. who, 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 who could who, operate who, who, it. Yeah, who can operate it and who yeah. um, do a course every year or two to... Yeah. Maybe that's a little task for us and for all of our listeners between now and next week. Uh, maybe find out, uh, do, is there a yeah. defibrillator in your area? Where is it? And uh, how do you get in touch with someone if yeah. the emergency should arise? Indeed. Okay, looking at page seven of the Clare Champion there, and uh, a lovely photo there of Thorlock O'Kineja with, uh, with his equipment, his camera, and uh, the headline is Film Marks Grania's Legacy in East Clare. Um, David, have you... Um You've heard of Grania. You I've live, heard of Grania. I, li I live, live in, in Toon Grania. <laughs> I, li I, I live. Yes, I live very close to where, <laughs> where her last resting place is reputed to have been. Um, but this brings, I suppose, this brings her story to the next 
for the next generation and to those who may be unfamiliar with it. And uh, Fiona has the story, as you say, Jim. Uh, myth, legend and folklore from East Clare have been beautifully brought to life in a new documentary. It's called Born From Fire. It's a short feature from Dolman Films and it celebrates the legacy of Grania and documents how the legendary daughter of a local chieftain came to be buried in Tomb Graney. Uh, its name, uh, sorry, in East Clare, her burial place gave Tomb Graney its name and she is remembered in many other features of the local landscape. Of course, the, the lake. Um, is there a river? There is indeed, although it, it's, it's been called the Scarif River in recent times, but it was always known as the Grainy River. The Grainy River. The Grainy, yeah. Yeah. Grainy. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And of course, there's at least one shop called the, the Grainy. Grainy. Yeah. So, so she's actually well remembered. And uh, she, was, she was left in Derra Grainy, at where the Derra Grainy is where the River Grainy kind of meets the River Shannon or meets Loch Derra. Right. And so that's called Derra Grainy. And um, anyway, Turlico Coneda grew up with these stories um, and probably motivated him to, to do this. And he's from Scarif. Uh, the Scarif man who also shot some of the work and edited it wanted to create a visual tribute to the area's mythical landscape. East Clare, he says, is very beautiful and there's something magical about the landscape. Uh, and who would disagree with him? Indeed. Yeah. So, so but our, good, our, our good friend <coughs> Brian Merriman opening his, his great... Um, Poem, Bagnamik Shul, the Kushnahan, Sun Bantrakdur, Sun Drukatram, and Nakin the Kulche, a Gimant Leva, Gan Vari Gan Wheel, the Sulcher and Lay, Kalamachri, Norakin, Luck, Grainia, Antalov, Antiers, Ear in the Spare, Catania for giving, Save in the Schleche, Egg Bagger Chagin, Ardrim, Rail. So Merriman gave us, you know. Yeah, uh, a well, you piece see, of work. in effect, what Okanade is doing is 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 what you have was what um, Merriman did two hundred over two hundred years ago. Yeah, in promoting in promoting the area, promoting the landscape, mm -hmm. um, and this is the modern method of doing it, isn't it? It is indeed. Yeah. So well done. Yeah. Beginning at the beginning of uh, some great stuff, I would say, coming out of that young man. Yes, and it's it's in memory of his late sister Lacerina, Lacerina. who passed away sadly at the the early part of twenty twenty one. Jim, where can we get a hold of it, or how can YouTube? We? YouTube. It's, I came across it in YouTube during the week. On YouTube during the week, I'm not sure what you. Um, Gronia's legacy, I think it's called. So well, I, no, it's called Born from Fire. Ah, oh, but it's. I think if you look at Grania's legacy, it'll come up yeah. as well. It'll yeah, come up yeah. As yeah. Well. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a, it's a lovely piece of work, and of course it mentions as well uh, Mark Wilson, uh, Mark the blacksmith, oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the smith from um, from Mount Shannon, Mount yeah. Shannon, and uh, who who's really a fascinating character and fascinating, you know, brilliant. Um, artist yes mm. Mm. okay one of the things that struck me at I, I didn't actually we didn't mention this beforehand but um this was in uh, in the clare echo on page six in the clare echo and a bash problem in clonlara some uh, of you might have looked yeah. at it um that's right well uh, the councillors one one or two particular councillors are saying that bat droppings are destroying places um Councillor Michael Begley, the one of the independents, told a recent sitting of Clare County Council's Economic Development Strategic Policy Committee uh, that bats were accused of destroying parts of Clonlara with their droppings. Um, 
and wanted to get rid of them. How do I go about getting rid of bats from a public building in use? Councillor Begley questioned Clare Heritage Officer Congella Maguire. What did Congella say? Well, uh, we'll get to Congella now. Uh, she was very diplomatic, to be fair to her. Uh, because, as you know, bats are, are a very protected species and are very important, it has to be said. They are, and uh, well, he went on anyway, they are literally destroying the place. Mm. Um, he added, with the amount of droppings left behind, they're very small creatures. It's amazing how much they would destroy the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> obstacles posed by the bats and their protection were overcome by Clonlara GA Club when they secured permission to develop a walkway. They were put through the ropes, the former mayor of Clare outlined. Begley continued, are we gone over the top in protecting situations like that where it is preferable to have an inside of a church destroyed <laughs> by bat droppings rather than clear them. <laughs> Solutions should be examined with National Parks and Wildlife Service. This is Congella's now response. Uh, she said solutions should be examined with National Parks and Wildlife Service. Bats and lighting is an issue. Now, if you light, bats are attracted to light. Now, why are they attracted to a light? Because the food resource, mm. the, the insects that they live on, um, and why they're so crucial to the to to the ecological balance of nature? Uh, they eat all these insects, but the insects are attracted to light. So she explained, um, bats and lighting is an issue. Lighting can affect insects and certainly affects the behaviour of bats. They are not mutually exclusive, but it has to be planned properly and done in the right way. We have to look at how a trail can be lit, which wouldn't hopefully affect the bats. Um, and on the church issue. Um, in an aside, seemingly Councillor Pat McMahon. <laughs> yes. Jim, do you want to give Councillor <laughs> Pat do. McMahon? I do, I, and I know Councillor Pat McMahon very well. Um, and, and he said, uh, about talking about the bats, he said, that first, perhaps, we'd have, we'll have to find out if they are Catholic bats. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, if it was a Catholic church, maybe they have a right to but be they, in there. Yeah, but if yeah. they were Protestant bats, I suppose the they Protest could be kicked yeah. out. Is that the it? Protestant church is there beside the grounds. And the Protestant church beside the grounds there. And turn there. That's yeah. right. Yes, yeah. that's yeah. right. Yeah. But yeah. I, so I just... Uh, probably in that church there. My, my mother, God be good to her, was one thing she was absolutely terrified of was bats mm. totally utterly terrified and passed that on to me when I was, when I was <laughs> a, a small child but is it an urban myth because um, yeah. it, because of Dracula and but, all, but, and I, all but I got over it but, oh, you you know, over but it. quite often when we moved into our own house my mother would ring me up and say will you come down there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a bat stuck on the curtain in the bedroom and I can't go to bed <laughs> and would there be a bat stuck oh, in yeah, the curtain oh yeah okay. there would but they are they're most timid creatures they're, they're lovely yeah, creatures they're Lovely, and and they they are very very important. Yes, mm, yeah. and that and down in Killaloo in Clarisford Park, I think they've actually built a bla a bat hotel. They've built ba uh, the bat house. Yeah. Bat, it's uh, a bat house. hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's up market. On the on the bypass there in Ennis as well, you can Did see they? it on the way in there. Yeah. You, there's a little place there at the roundabout. There's a bat hotel yeah. as well, but yeah. I, I think they, they refuse to go in there. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Listen, we're looking. Looking at the Clare Echo, and the bat story is on page six. And now, we, I cannot leave. Pat, Pat O'Brien is going to kill me if I move away from the Clare Echo uh, without looking at page seven, Pat. Yes, yeah, uh, there's a, a lovely, in red print here on the top, a, a red hot mattress sale. <laughs> 
<laughs> All types of available, prompt delivery. <laughs> and that's at, at Home Trends. Yeah, have you been looking for uh, for the perfect mattress? Why not call into Home Trends, your, your local friendly furniture store in Pembroke Street in Innesworth, an extensive range of high end quality mattresses and bed frames. Mm. Okay. Whether you're upgrading your bedroom or child's or guest bedroom, you have to, what you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> if you were able to get to the store, we can sit back, relax, and order from the comfort of your home uh, online. Why so are you okay. smiling at this, actually? John, I'm just wondering, would a red-hot mattress not be <laughs> difficult to sleep on? Do it, I think it would. <laughs> I suppose if it were a red-hot one. <laughs> okay, we... <laughs> on this... That was Pat O'Brien now, by the way. <laughs> and it's Nolik Naman as well. <laughs> okay, on this Sunday afternoon, we'll move swiftly on. Uh, John, something of your certainly as far away from a red hot mattress as you could get what is, is 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 a graveyard in Tulla. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Um, it's a different type of resting place. <laughs> it is indeed. Yes, it's it's coincidental that over the last few weeks we have referred to research being done in graveyards around, and on the um, David Brady Brown has an article on the value of grave memorials, um, and valuable for researchers. Uh, we have Pat O'Brien in Broadford, who is an authority on the graveyards of the Broadford zone. Okay. We are due to talk to him, Jim, at the end of the month, I yes. think. In, okay, We can incorporate that into yeah. the... Uh, in, in Saturday Chronicle. In Saturday Chronicle. You listen to that now there, David. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last fr Friday, last Saturday of the month. And uh, that's Pat O'Brien in Broadford. You have David Brady-Brown, in Tulla, who has just uh, completed a fine piece of uh, research into the graveyards there. Um, and then we have, we had Clanrush last week. But that's yeah, your brain. And, and, um, uh, and, uh, and we had another one. Uh, the, the Claire the Holler and Ryan. Or the lady in Tulla. Or Jane Holler and Ryan. So, David, do you consider graveyards as good? Sources for, for for genealogy in particular, uh, they are they are useful. But also, I love graveyards. I have to say, I love going into them. It doesn't matter where in the world they are, because you can get a sense of uh, of of periods of time and material culture. And this is what, from a historian's point of view, is important. To what extent do do people value or place a particular importance on on the customs around death. Yes. And so headstones, yes. uh, pictures, ornamentation. You go into an, an old graveyard, you see some fine sculptures and the symbolism of the crucifixion or whatever symbolism mm -hmm. is being used. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, uh, I, I think it's great that the, these are the, the actual genealogical information is being captured. What I would love to see as a historian is more work being done on, on the interpretation of headstones and what they say about when they were put up and, mm -hmm. and the, and the society and the people who put them up. You, 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 you. I've seen. I've been down to Derry Nan, where Daniel O'Connell's family are buried. He is the O'Connells. He, of course, is buried in Glasnevin in Dublin. Yes, under a big round tower. Under a big round tower, which says an awful lot about the people who decided to do that. And that's exactly what I'm talking about now. Whereas his family are buried in the corner of a church in a small little box tomb, but in that same graveyard is, 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 a, is an early 20th century box tomb 
of, of, of tiles, monochrome white and green tiles. I've never seen anything the, of, of the like of it before, but it does stand out. And that's what I'm saying is now the next stage of, of study that we have to do in graveyards. Yeah. Can, I, can I give you an example of, of just what you're talking about? My father uh, investigated uh, a, a burial uh, of a chap called Kelly from Tulsk who was reputedly shot in a duel outside Dublin on his way home from uh, from uh, a week in what do you call the place up, uh, outside Dublin up in the mountains in Wicklow San, and the, um, you know, the, he the Hellfire Club the Hellfire Club and he found where your man was buried in French Park the mist mm. okay. and he yeah. got into the vault and they're lying inside and this happened back in 1805 Li lying was the Bowel Kelly himself with a hole straight through the forehead where he had been shot. So here was the use of a graveyard to actually validate mm. a, a piece of historical folklore, do you know? Mm, mm. Because I never yeah. believed that th yes. that was a real story at all. <laughs> okay, we, we're, we're only a minute and a half to go. Uh, looking at uh, Pat, the, uh, there's a planning application there that's... Uh, causing a bit of a scar in Scarif. Yeah, proposal to install a 21 metres uh, mast uh, at the air exchange in Scarif has been considered by Clare County Council. If successful, the application from Aircom Limited Trading as Air would see the replacement of an existing 12 metre wooden pole with the much higher telecommunications mast and dishes, antennas and other equipment. The plan has already encountered some object opposition locally with objections from a number of residents. Today, three people living close to the old to the uh, have told the planners that the development will impact negatively on them in terms of their enjoyment of their homes and gardens. As much as um, they, 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 they want to upgrade the, the phone uh, yeah. system for. And the other thing, Pat, and we've only ministered, you, you mentioned. Uh uh, yeah, there's a, a drive around County Clare. Yeah, there's a lovely, there's a lovely article there on page three of the uh, of the, um, the, the living living, living yeah. section of the Clare Champion. A Sunday drive in Clare, 1950s and other memories. It's it's by Frank Russell, and um, it's a, it's actually a lovely a lovely article, and people should read it. It's all about um, he coming down from Dublin. He was down to his uncles in in Innes and uh, coming down the, the train to. To, and he had to change in belly profi and he was he was on a young fella and he he was watching all the the, the, the stops in case he, he didn't know where he was going to end up <laughs> if he didn't get off the belly profi and he had to change in Dimerick again and then uh, Dimerick to, and to Innes and he came on to Innes and met his his uncles but uh, when he was in holidays they took him back around uh, West Clare and this was back in the 50s when Doolan and all those places were only just maybe a couple of houses and that you know so it is a lovely article. Lovely article. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. in the living section. Yeah, there's what, there's what to read now, really. Okay, we leave it at that for today, uh, folks. Uh, my thanks to our panel. Uh, oh, yeah, just one of one that before we go, the Clare Champion calendar. Lovely calendar. Uh, and that reminds us as well that uh, our thanks to everybody who purchased a Scarif Bay community radio calendar. Um, the, the Clare Champion calendar is, is quite similar, actually, in many ways. Uh, lovely photos from around County Clare. Yeah, it is usually a lovely, a lovely uh, publication, Jim. Yeah. John Kelly is the photographer, as usual, and yes, he has some and beautiful photographs. Marvellous photos. Yeah. So um, there's a, one of the, the boats there. The back cover is a, a green-leafed uh, tree 
adds a dash of colour to an autumn scene at Loch Graney in County Clare, where poor um, Grania was drowned so long ago. But again, just to remind us, thank you very much to all those people who purchased calendars in our recent fundraising drive for the radio. Now, my thanks to John S. Kelly. John, Welcome, Jim. Many thanks to you. Pat O'Brien. Uh, thanks, Jim. David Fleming. Thanks, Jim. Uh, thanks to Luke on uh, knobs and buttons and wires <laughs> and cables there. And uh, to keep us all, keep us going as well and keep us on time. Um, Pat, will we have a bit of music to finish we'll, with? We'll finish up with Billy Joel and, and the piano man. Lovely track, lovely track. Okay, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you again next Sunday, please. God, uh, goodbye and God bless. <laughs>